Hello and welcome into another episode of Lockdown Wolves. Today on the show, the big picture takeaways for the Timberwolves first round loss to the Denver Nuggets. What are the pros from the series? What can we take away? Not not in the weeds, but overall. And also, what are the cons from this first round series? We're going to break it all down on the show. Welcome in. You are Lockdown Wolves. You are Locked On Timberwolves. Your daily Minnesota Timberwolves podcast. Part of the Locked On Podcast Network. Your team every day. Hello and welcome to the Lockdown Wolves podcast, part of the Lockdown Podcast Network, your team every day. My name is Ben Beacon. I'm the host of Lockdown Wolves. Happy Thursday, everybody. And a big thank you for making Lockdown Wolves your first listen every day. Of course, this show is free and available everywhere. That includes YouTube as well as all of your favorite audio platforms. Wherever you listen to podcasts, you can find this show. You can also watch Lockdown Wolves, along with all the other Lockdown Minnesota podcasts on both Roku and Amazon Fire TV as part of Lockdown Sports Minnesota, the app. More great local sports coverage 24-7 for free. Download the Lockdown Sports Minnesota app today on Roku and Amazon Fire TV. You can also follow on Twitter at Lockdown T-Wolves and also at my account, which is at Beacon, and that's with two B's, two E's, C-K-E-N. All right, I want to spend the show today talking about the uh, what I would call big picture overarching pros and cons, positives and negatives from the Wolves Nuggets series. Um, and there's quite a few on both sides of the ledger, I would say. Uh, first, I want to quickly acknowledge the Anthony Edwards news, I guess, that came out, what, like mid-afternoon, late afternoon on Wednesday. Uh, the report that he's been charged with third degree assault by the Denver Police Department related to his chair shenanigans at the end of the game. Um, I don't really have much to say about it. I kind of already said what I wanted to say on Twitter. I think um, it's it's a stretch. I am not a legal analyst. Um, I don't represent the views of anybody but myself when I say that uh, I, I think that this is much ado about um, close to nothing. Um, certainly, Anthony Edwards should not have done what he did. If you haven't seen the video, there's a video from uh, presumably a fan's mobile device that shows basically the whole incident much more than you were able to see on the TV broadcast. I remember in the moment thinking, what did he just do? I thought I saw a chair. I thought maybe he ran into it. It does look like the chair was in his way and he moved it out of frustration, swung it, clipped apparently two arena workers. Um, and it even says in the police report that the injuries were deemed not serious. So um, I don't know. It It's frustrating. I, hopefully, um, there's a, a quick resolution to this and it feels like I said this on Twitter, it feels like something that maybe he'd get fined for by the league or, or maybe the Timberwolves because like you just got to be more careful, but it was more careless. There was certainly no intent. He was, he wasn't, I mean, the problem was he wasn't looking at anybody. He wasn't, he wasn't looking towards anyone when he did this. It was just a careless thing to do. Um, so we'll see how it all plays out. I, it shouldn't have any impact. I wouldn't think at all on anything related to next season, but it's just another weird twist in a weird season and for a weird franchise. Like, I don't know what else to say at this point. Right. Um, anyway, moving on. So big picture, we're going to spend about half the show on the pros, half the show, roughly on the cons. Let's start with the pros. We'll start with Anthony Edwards, uh, his, his on court play on court. Uh, you know, every, everything, everything for this point forward on the court. Anthony Edwards was fantastic in this series. I, I don't know how anybody could look at this series and not come away with Ant's play as the number one takeaway. Over the course of five games, Ant averaged 40 minutes a game. He averaged 31.6 points, 5.2 assists, five rebounds per game. He shot 48.2% from the floor 
a shade under 35% from deep, which was, of course, really hurt by that 0 for 6 in the final game of the series. He was obviously much better leading into that. Well, in fact, here here we go. Um, he was 1 for 4 in the first game, but he was 6 for 10 in the second game when the Wolves were very competitive. Um, he was only three for seven, three for 11, excuse me, in the third game, but then he was five for 12 in the fourth game. So he had three poor shooting nights from three and two really good ones, which sounds like Anthony Edwards. So he finished ultimately shooting 35% from three in the series. Um, he got to the line just a shade under eight times per game and shot 85% when he got there. He also averaged two blocks per game and 1.8 steals per game. So no matter how you slice it, the turnover numbers weren't bad either. Um, for the series, this is crazy. Anthony Edwards only turned the ball over eight times across five games. For somebody that has the ball in their hands so often, that's an incredible number. That's an incredible number. Um, in fact, for for the season, I want to make sure that I, I like accurately paint this picture. For the season, Ant's turnover rate was 13%, which isn't, again, not bad for somebody that's got the ball in his hands so often. And of course, he he shoots a lot, right? So like the assist rate isn't super high either, but it's, it was, uh, what did I say? 13% for his career. He's a shade over 12% for the playoffs over those five games. Those eight turnovers were the equivalent is a 5.7% turnover rate, which rate based stats in that small of a sample are kind of crazy, but like to, to really paint that picture, it was essentially half of what he did in the regular season related to turnovers. Um, and his assist rate was higher in the playoffs in the regular season. It was 19%. In the playoffs, 26.4% assist rate for Ant. He had four or more assists in every game, five assists in three of the games, and then he had seven assists in game five. So no matter how you slice it, Anthony Edwards was the Timberwolves' best player on the floor by a wide margin in this series. And he's the primary reason, and Carl Anthony Towns played well in the second half of game four, but he's the primary reason that this team was able to force a game five and nearly took it to a game six, um, given, you know, the, the, just a three point loss in game in game five. So Anthony Edwards, the number one takeaway, he, I still think, and, and this is, I will get to this. We'll have a, a long off season conversation about, about Anthony Edwards and, um, his, where he stands in his development phase. I think he took a, a small step forward this year. I was hoping for something more resembling a 30-year jump, like a John Morant-type leap. That clearly did not happen. He did make the All-Star team for the first time. There are a lot of numbers to suggest that he didn't meaningfully improve this year. Um, to me, that was more because the Wolves were asking him to do some different things and, and asking him to play with Rudy Gobert. The mid-range jumper went up. You know, The frequency of that went up a little bit. I don't want to get too far down that path because I'm evaluating this series right now as a whole. And big picture, for your best player to step up in the biggest spot to play his best basketball the entire season in the playoffs, which is basically what we saw last year. It is what we saw last year from Ant. I mean, you could lump in the last part of the season last year when the Wolves were trying to make the playoffs and get into the play-in. And Ant's best basketball last year was in March and April and into the playoffs against Memphis. This year, hands down. There, there were some blips in there in early April, late March, the, the illness, the injury, and then he didn't play well right after. But these five games against um, against the Denver Nuggets, he was phenomenal. He played his best basketball of the season, and that is exactly what you want to see out of your 21-year-old star who's an all-star for the first time, You know, trying to make that push to become an all-NBA player as soon as next year, all-defense player, which is on the table as well. So... All of that was positive for Anthony Edwards in this series, and, and that has to be the biggest takeaway. 
Carlton Towns, I, I'm not going to put him in either category. He did not play well overall in the series, but I was happy with how he improved as the series went on. Also, that his level of defensive engagement guarding Nikola Jokic, some of the chemistry that he and Rudy Gobert showed, which we saw early in the regular season in October and November, um, we saw a lot more of that in Game 5. So that doesn't belong in the big picture pros, but I was encouraged by the progress throughout the course of the series that Carl Anthony Towns showed. Another big picture pro from this series, uh, I would say Mike Conley. Minus game five. I mean, Mike Conley in general was very good in this series. He was exactly what the Wolves needed him to be, which was a steady hand, um, a steady hand in general, and just enough scoring punch when you need it. Now, games one and games five were not good for Conley. Game one, not a big deal. Nobody was good for the Wolves. So we can kind of toss that one aside because you're not going to find a Wolves player that played well. Game five, he really struggled. He had three turnovers, which collectively in the first four games, he had four turnovers total. Game five, he had three. A couple of those were t- were costly. He did also have nine assists, but he only scored seven points on seven shots. So game five was not great for Conley, but he stepped up big in the Wolves' win in game four. He had 19 points, eight assists, knocked down three threes. Um, he did hit that three late to make things interesting in game five as well. But this, um, the the Mike Conley fit, and again, uh, this is an off-season conversation. We'll unpack this fully in the coming weeks. But his fit with the Wolves is so much superior to what D'Angelo Russell's was in terms of not needing to be a shoot-first guy, but being, uh, I would say, a borderline elite catch-and-shoot three-point shooter because Conley is that. The numbers bear that out. And the feel he has, especially with Rudy Gobert, but in general for the game, uh, the the off-ball defense especially, competitive on the ball even at his advanced advanced age, um, all positive things for Mike Conley. And um, he, had a, he had a good impact on this series uh, f- from the Wolves' perspective. All right, a couple more big picture pros. We'll do that next, and then we'll get to some negatives. Um, I guess, Maybe I should have started with the negatives. We'll get to the negatives, though, at the end of the show. Uh, but a couple more pros before we get to that. Today's episode of Locked Up Wolves is brought to us by our friends over at eBay Motors. For a championship team, it's all about making sure that every player is a perfect fit. It's the same when it comes to your vehicle. Every part needs to fit just right. So the next time you need parts and accessories, head to eBay Motors. With eBay Guaranteed Fit, you can be sure every part you need fits right the first time around. Just add your ride to my garage and look for the green check to know the part will fit or your money back. Because just like in sports, confidence is the name of the game when you shop on eBay Motors. And with over 122 million parts to choose from, you'll be back in the game in no time. After all, it's easy to bring home a win when the right parts are guaranteed. Get the right parts, the right fit, and the right prices on ebaymotors.com. Let's ride. eBay guaranteed fit only available to U.S. customers. Eligible items only. Exclusions apply. A big thank you once again for making Lockdown Wolves your first listen every day. Of course, every day is, uh, you know, we also have a show Friday. If you're new to the show, Monday through Friday, we'll do this throughout the offseason, up until and through free agency and summer league. We'll be five shows a week. Um, and on Friday, I want to do uh, today. We're doing the big picture on the playoff series. Friday, I want to focus a little bit more on big picture offseason, almost like an offseason preview, like looking at the Timberwolves cap sheet, the roster. What are the biggest questions of the offseason? And that's that's worth more than one show. But I want to do the overview on Friday. And then we have plenty of time to really dig in again, player reviews, et cetera, here in the coming weeks. All right. Uh, a couple more pros from this series. This this one's maybe obvious, but I think it's important to take a half step back and, and really consider how competitive the Timberwolves were in this series without their best 
I would say all around, certainly a best perimeter defender. Uh, you could argue Jaden McDaniels or Rudy Gobert in terms of best all around defensive player impact on the game, et cetera. I think many Wolves fans would argue for McDaniels, but um, at any rate, missing Jaden McDaniels, who's your fourth option on offense, a budding star on both sides of the ball, and um, an all-defense, all-NBA defensive team caliber defender for the entire series. No Nas Reed, who's arguably the best backup center in basketball, best backup big in basketball, going to get a nice payday this summer. Neither one of them available for the entire series. And then you think game five, the Wolves are up 15 early. They led for chunks throughout. They kept coming back late in the game. Lose by just three points. Could have easily sent this game to overtime if Ant's shot falls through at the, at the buzzer. No Kyle Anderson in that game either. So you're talking, you're missing three of your top eight rotational players. And you don't have a real backup point guard. And we'll talk more about Jordan McLaughlin here in a minute. And I don't I don't mean this as like a direct slight to Jordan McLaughlin because he, he was one of the better backup point guards in the league before his calf injury early, early this season for stretches last year. He played over D'Angelo Russell at times in the playoffs last year. I still think Jordan McLaughlin's a viable NBA backup point guard, but whatever he was in, in March and April wasn't that. And ultimately he only played in, I think he just played in two games in this series, um, brief appearances and the Wolves didn't have a playable backup point guard. It was Nikhil Alexander Walker and Jalen Noel and Anthony Edwards. And then eventually Austin Rivers sharing some of those duties when Mike Conley was on the bench, but the Wolves' only point guard was a 35-year-old that had only been on the team for a little over two months. And part of that is a roster construction thing. Um, and I said this way back in the fall. I thought the Wolves were short a point guard. Uh, and I get that Ant's going to handle more and the whole thing. But, like, you still need another guy. The Wolves didn't have that. Um, and that was an issue. So you consider that you don't have a backup point guard. You don't have your best perimeter defender. You're missing uh, three of your top eight players in your rotation for game five and two of your top eight for the entire series. You could argue two of your top seven for the entire series. And the Wolves competed the way that they did against the number one seed was impressive. Um, And also I would add the way that they got blown out in game one and the way that they kind of fell apart um, a couple of other times during the series. On the one hand, that potentially reflects on coaching, but on the other hand, it potentially reflects on coaching and how you bounce back and and the, the metal of the team, the stick to of the team and the, the, you know, like much was said about the number of vets and the quality of vets on this team, Kyle Anderson, Torian Prince, now Mike Conley, Austin Rivers, like these guys that have been battle tested and should be able to help, you know, this team fight through some of that adversity at times this year, like given their record against bad teams and some of the how flat they came out at times, the collapse against the Lakers in the first playing game, which ultimately was probably the most disappointing game of the last couple of weeks in general, all things considered. Um, I, you know, I, given all those factors, there was something to be said for how the Wolves still fought. And I don't mean this in a silver linings way. I talked about this a little on Wednesday's show on the post game pod. This isn't like all hunky dory. Like, let's be happy about how the Wolves, you know, moral victory. Like I'm not doing that thing. We can still evaluate this. You know, all of this can be true at the same time. We can have pros and cons, and they don't have to jive perfectly with one another. And and I think it's important to note that this team didn't fold. And it wasn't just Anthony Edwards. Um, You know, Carl Anthony Towns fought through what he was dealing with, had a really difficult matchup with Nikola Jokic. I mean, a few years ago, it was like, who's better, Jokic or Cat? And now it's Jokic is a back-to-back MVP, and Carl Anthony Towns is, frankly, 
I don't want to call him an afterthought, but like nobody was talking about Carl Anthony Towns coming into the series. It was all about Anthony Edwards. Cat misses 52 consecutive games in the regular season. And now he's the second most talked, maybe even third most talked about, thought about, um, even maybe most impactful player on the roster of an eight seed. It's not the same thing that it was a few years ago. And Cat and still held his own, especially late in the series against Nikola Jokic. His defense on Joker was very, very good late in the series. And so I, I put Cat, I put Ant, the veterans, like the majority of this roster fought and competed and showed back up after a miserable, embarrassing game one blowout, um, disappointing outcomes in games two and three, especially game three. And um, they still came back and they won game four and they had a real opportunity to win game five. And I think that speaks to something, whether it's the players themselves, the staff, the coaching staff, the head coach, whatever it is. Um, I think we have to consider all of it. Okay, let's flip abruptly into the negative overarching takeaways from the series. And we'll start, and these are a little bit more specific. They're probably not going to be a major surprise. The one thing I will say that was an issue throughout the season that I did not call out as a major issue in this series was turnovers. And that was mostly because the turnover numbers were were pretty much even in each individual game in the series. That was something that we'll struggle mightily with during the season. It improved as the season wore on, it improved after Mike Conley joined the team, and it wasn't terrible in the playoffs. So that's one of the things that won't sound, you know, too familiar. However, transition defense was a huge issue for the Wolves in this series. Um, it was it was something that they, they, I would say it was their worst quality throughout the season, was defending in transition, defending um, both after makes and misses. And Denver doesn't run a ton. Like they're like 23rd in pace in the league, but they'll run if you let them. And we've said this since November, the book was out on the Wolves very early this season that they don't get back in transition, whether it's uh, because Nas Reed is falling down or Carl Anthony Towns or Anthony Edwards are complaining to the officials or Rudy Gobert is just slow footed and not getting down the court quickly and or flopping and complaining to officials like some combination of all these things or Delo's not paying attention in transition or he's pointing and not, not getting back himself. Like all of those factors played into this team being a miserable transition defense team. And it just never got better over the course of the season. There were, there were moments where it was better, but it never consistently improved. And that reared its ugly head in the series. There were a couple games that the margin and transition points, fast break points was really, really bad. And again, a Denver team, it's not what they're trying to do, but they're a well-coached team and a smart team. And they knew the Wolves would give them transition buckets after both made and missed baskets on their end of the floor, and Denver took advantage of that. There was one at a really key moment in Game 5. I don't remember what it was exactly, but it was a really bad, like the Wolves' significant moment. The Wolves got a big bucket, and right back the other way, Denver got a layup. Um, those types of breakdowns can't happen with the frequency they did this year for the Wolves, and certainly not in the playoffs, and that was a major issue. Um, related, because I think this has to do as much with um, with... Uh, I don't want to say effort. Well, yeah, effort. I mean, effort, activity level, defensive rebounding. And and this is the one that is the biggest head scratcher for me um, because the Timberwolves last year finished what? I believe they were 21st in defensive rebound rate. I'm going to get the actual number here. Um, according to basketball reference, last season, the Timberwolves finished, I guess they were 27th in defensive rebound rate last season. So they were 27th last year in defensive rebound rate, about 75%. This season, 
the Wolves were 26th. They improved by one spot, but their percentage decreased to 74.3%. So their actual rate got worse. They improved one spot league-wide in defensive rebound rate. The offensive rebound rate, by the way, plummeted. That's what I was thinking of. Last year, they were like seventh in offensive rebound rate. And so overall, their rebound rate was much better than it was this year. This year, they were 27th in offensive rebound rate and 26th in defensive rebound rate. And they added Rudy Gobert, who's one of the best, led the league in defensive rebounding, uh, I think like two of the last three years, one of the best defensive rebounders of this generation. And they add Gobert to the fold, and yet this team still is a bottom four team in defensive rebound rate, bottom three team in offensive rebound rate. Per game numbers, the only player to average more than eight rebounds per game is Rudy Gobert. Carl Anthony Towns only played in 29 games, but his rebounding was way down, 8.1 rebounds per game. Um, the only player to average more than 1.7 offensive rebounds per game is Rudy Gobert. And Chris Finch talked about this briefly in the post-game presser um, after the Game 5 loss, but basically saying like, hey, our guards have to get better at rebounding. I've been saying that since last year. The Timberwolves guards are often caught in no man's land. Um, and Anthony Edwards belongs in this conversation. Or he is He's a a primary culprit when it comes to this as well. And I say that, but Ant did improve his rebounding this year. That was a theme I talked about quite a bit during the regular season. And, and again, a topic for another day, but his rebound rate improved dramatically. So did Nas Reed's. Nas Reed was not a good rebounder as a, for a big earlier in his career. He was much better this season, but it was everybody else in between. D'Angelo Russell did not rebound the ball well in a Timberwolves uniform. Jade McDaniels has to rebound the ball better. Kyle Anderson was good, but because of how the Wolves were utilizing him, they needed him to be better. Torian Prince needed to be better. Jalen Noel did not rebound his position well. Nikhil Alexander-Walker in his brief time in the Wolves uniform needed to rebound the basketball better. Mike Conley was an improvement over D'Angelo Russell, but not significantly enough. Um, so there's a lot to a lot to talk about here technique-wise and personnel-wise related to defensive rebounding. Just know that the Wolves got Gobert to help improve that. The Wolves blocked a ton of shots last year anyway. Um, the Wolves, like, believe it or not, I know that we talked about, like, acquiring Rudy Gobert helps solve your rim protection, helps solve your defensive rebounding. The Wolves were actually third in the league in blocks per game last season when they had, when they didn't have Rudy Gobert. Think about that. They were, th they were third in blocks per game last year. This year, they were fourth in blocks per game. So actually, their ranking, at least, in both rebounding and Block shots went down with Rudy Gobert in the fold. Now you lost Jared Vanderbilt. Um, obviously, Carl Anthony Towns only played in 29 regular season games. Like, there's lots of other factors, but just that statement alone is crazy, and it explains how weird this season was for the Wolves. All right, a couple other negative big picture or big picture negatives, I guess, from the series. We'll get to those here next. Today's episode of Lockdown Wolves is brought to us by our friends over at Ibotta. We're always throwing money at something. Kids' school supplies, a new house project, the list goes on and on and on. It's time to stop spending your hard-earned money without getting anything in return. Enter Ibotta. You can earn cash back on every shopping trip. Ibotta gives you cash back on hundreds of grocery items from produce to personal care to pantry goods. Either link your loyalty account or upload your receipt after you shop and get your cash back. It's that easy. The average Ibotta user earns $120 per year in real cash back. That could cover the cost of an entire shopping trip. Or you could use your cash back to buy that flight that you've been eyeing, the game you're dying to go to, or the fancy dinner that you've been craving. A typical basket of groceries is over $50 more expensive at the end of 2022 than at the beginning of the year due to inflation. You could earn two and a half times that in cash back from Ibotta, or even more depending on how much you use Ibotta. Ibotta gives you real cash back 
not points. Other apps give you points that don't amount to much. But with Ibotta, you get real cash back that you can cash out to your bank account, PayPal, or gift cards. You can earn cash back on hundreds of online brands and retailers too. When you start with Ibotta, including Lowe's, Macy's, Sephora, Best Buy, and more. Right now, Ibotta is offering our listeners $5 just for trying Ibotta by using the code LOCKED when you register. Just go to the App Store or Google Play Store and download the free Ibotta app and use the code LOCKED. That's Ibotta, I-B-O-T-T-A, in the Google Play or App Store and use the code LOCKED. All right, a couple more overarching negatives from this series. Um, another like larger theme that was an issue at, at times this season was just missing open shots and generally spacing. The Wolves actually started this year, they were like bottom 10 in three-point attempts and percentage-wise for a long time. They actually finished uh, 14th in three-point attempt rate, 15th in attempts per game, and 13th in percentage, which was a huge jump from where they were early in the season. Um, it was almost essentially like the jump that Ter- Torian Prince made last year during the season. Remember, he was like 25% or something at Christmas time in uh, 2021 and then shot like 45% from three the rest of the way and ended up with a good season. The Wolves as a team basically did that this year. And, um, you know, late in the year, I mean, Mike Conley shot 42% Wolves uniform, which is nuts. Kyle Anderson, 41% by far career high for him. Low volume, but still. Um, Conley, by the way, was almost six threes per game, 42%. Jaden McDaniels improving to almost 40% from three was incredible. Um, so this team as a whole, the spacing was okay at times. It just wasn't consistent. And again, early in the season, it was poor. You reintroduced Carl Anthony Towns. He still shot only 36.6% from three. We know he's better than that. Um, so you assume that this number is going to improve next year kind of organically, assuming assuming Towns is on the floor. You get a full season of Mike Conley, who just simply is a better spot-up catch-and-shoot guy than D'Angelo Russell. Again, the numbers are very clear there. So a full season of Conley, a full season of Towns, presumably. Um and then whatever else tweaks this team makes, that should help. But like in the playoffs, the Nuggets were actively just not guarding Nikhil Alexander-Walker. They were just not guarding Kyle Anderson. Um, and and it's hard because, I mean, this is happening with Gobert's on the floor, right? So there's so they can essentially dedicate an extra person to guarding against action in the middle of the floor, whether it's Conley Gobert pick and roll or Conley Towns or Ant Towns or Ant anything in the middle of the floor. You essentially just overload and don't worry about that last guy. And you also know Rudy's not going to space you out either. So you can't really, in today's NBA, have two complete non-threats from three on the floor. Kyle Anderson and Nikhil Alexander-Walker are kind of in that on that borderline. Like, they can hurt you. Kyle Anderson shot 41% from three. But teams are, are happy to leave him open because he only shoots one and a half attempts per game. He is a reluctant, is what I would call him, a reluctant three-point shooter. And Alexander-Walker, for his career isn't great. He was better in a Wolves uniform than he has been for his career, but not significantly better. Um, and yeah, he had some big shots in the playoffs, but like, let's not lose sight of the fact that he is an average at best and probably a little below average in terms of a three-point shooter. So the Wolves have to add some spacing and have to figure that out a little bit for next year. Uh, backup point guard, who I already talked about, that was a big issue in this series. Um, I like Jordan McLaughlin a lot. We'll talk more about this later. He's got a non-guaranteed contract for next year. It's minimal. It's a couple million dollars. And it seemed like a no-brainer until, frankly, two weeks ago. And now, I don't know. Um, at, like I, I kind of still expect the Wolves to pick it up because it's still a good price for what McLaughlin can be when he's healthy. But there's a little bit of a question mark now, if they will. Also, Jalen Noel's an unrestricted free agent. And um, it would not be a shock at all if the Wolves 
moved on from him. Uh, I'm sorry. He's not unrestricted. He's a restricted free agent. But at any rate, I would be surprised if Jalen Noel was back. No, I'm sorry. He's unrestricted. I don't know. I, I mixed up him and Alexander Walker. Jalen Noel is unrestricted this offseason. And remember, he was only getting paid $1.8 million this year. It would not be a surprise if if he walked in the offseason. But that's also a spot you can improve. Jalen Noel was underwhelming for long stretches of the season. He actually finished shooting under 30% from three. Um, he was 20, 28.9% from three-point range on three and a half attempts per game. The Wolves need to improve that six-man type role. I thought he'd be better this season than he was. Um, those are both roles the Wolves need to improve in, and it it showed in this series. That's pretty much it for now. Um, clearly, there's there's uh, there's a lot more in terms of you. Know, we could, we could I could do a whole show in each of these. You know, what did I give? Like five in each category of pros and cons. And a lot of this will get covered when we go specific player reviews, and we will do that very soon. Um, but this series, it told us a lot. There was a little bit of confirmation bias here, I think. Like, um, you know, we were expecting to see some things that were issues, and they were issues. But um, so I don't, I don't know. Like, I, I, I think as a whole, given the factors of who is missing and how the series started, we have to feel pretty good about how the Wolves close this thing out or how they, how they fought in games, especially games four and five um, have to feel good about Anthony Edwards. Like I think the pros outweigh the cons, because again, the cons, the transition defense, the spacing issues, the defensive rebounding, the backup point guard issue, other than maybe the backup point guard issue. Those were all things we knew that were issues for the vast majority of the season. So I don't know that we learned anything. We didn't already know about the wolves in this, in this series. It just, further accentuated those issues that they're still trying to, to, uh, to correct for next year. Um, and you know, I, I think that that's a valuable takeaway. So, um, again, Friday, we'll get, we'll talk a bit more, you know, kind of expand beyond this. We'll preview the off season as a whole talk high level about the roster. We'll get more in the weeds on things over the next few weeks, but that that's kind of the roadmap here. Um, upcoming. Once again, a big thank you for those of you that do make Lockdown Wolves your first listen each and every day. Of course, this show is free and available everywhere, including YouTube, as well as all of your favorite audio platforms. You can also watch on the Lockdown Sports Minnesota app on both Roku and Amazon Fire TV. You can also follow on Twitter at Lockdown T Wolves and at my account, which is at B Beacon with two B's, two E's, C K E N. Of course, the Lockdown Wolves podcast is part of the Lockdown Podcast Network. Remember, the Lockdown Network is your local experts on all the biggest stories. Once again, I'm Ben Beacon. This is the Locked on Wolves podcast, and we'll catch you next time.